Um, my name is Philip Brand. I'm the pastor here. If you're visiting with us, I'm glad that you're here today. And I have, um, sorry about that. <laughs> you're good. It's just God's word. <laughs> just messing. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I have two great announcements. I'm sorry about that. It just came to my mind. She's, she's great. I can't believe, like. It's solid. Yeah, it is solid. It's solid. It's good. Yeah, that's right. It's solid. Um, I have two <clears throat> amazing announcements for you today. First, God's kingdom is being expanded in Advents, North Carolina. In the month of May, Chick-fil-A will open up. <laughs> Down the road. Right there. That is God's chicken. That's the chicken that's going to be in heaven. Uh, Colonel Sanders is not going to be there. Um, <clears throat> it's not going to be there. It's going to be that one. So, so that's the first one. <laughs> the second one is for Mother's Day, we're showing a movie, a Mother's Day movie. And so on Friday evening, the Friday before Mother's Day, <clears throat> I cannot think of that date right now, Friday before Mother's Day, come here at 7 o'clock, bring your whole family. We have child care for littles, but like kindergarten and up, can come see this movie as well. And you can sit here with your family and watch, watch a movie here in the church. We'll have popcorn, drinks, and all that kind of stuff. So kind of that movie environment. So come on out as we honor our mothers with a Mother's Day movie. So, so there you go. Good? <clears throat> good? Very good. All right. Well, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, if you will. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And um, just to get started, oh, raise, raise your hand if you've ever been through a difficult time. Through a difficult time, yeah. That's mostly everybody in the room. Uh, the one or two people that didn't raise their hand, um, we have counseling for you. You're in denial. <laughs> All right? How many of you have learned... From all of your difficulties you have gone through, raise your hand. You've learned from them. Now, what, what's an amazing thing is that there are a group of people that haven't learned from their difficult times because they didn't realize that that's why they were there. Um, they just got through them, and they really didn't learn anything through those times. But it's difficult times in this life that you experience, that God sends your way, that you calls on your own. Right? Because God doesn't send them all. Sometimes you cause them. Um, it's those difficult times that we really learn something from, from them, and we can uh, kind of secure our foundation, so to speak, is what we can do. So I don't want you to raise your hand on this one at all, but have you ever had a storm that totally destroyed everything that you built? Have you ever had a difficulty in your life that just swept you out to sea and everything was gone? Absolutely everything was gone. Have you ever had that happen? And I'm not talking about doubts, because to be honest, we all doubt from time to time uh, when tough things happen to us. Why is this happening? What is God doing? Is he really with me? I mean, those are normal human things. I'm talking about your life was just totally destroyed and it was just wiped out to sea, and, and you just couldn't get to the surface, right? That sort of thing. Well, <clears throat> that, that's happened to a lot of people from time to time. 
And what I've noticed that when it has happened to me, the times it has happened to me, that there's always a group of people that come and help me back to shore. Always there. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 24, Jesus speaks to this thing. He speaks to this being swept out to sea. He, he speaks to this, um, this whole thing in storms in life. And this is what he says. He says, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does do them, does not do them rather, <clears throat> will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, all of us have experienced uh, storms in this life, and to be honest, we're going we're gonna to exper experience storms in the future as well. And the difference between being swept out to sea and your life totally being wiped out, or a life that you have built weathering the storm is whether or not you have built on the rock or if you've built on the sand. Whether you have built on Jesus and his words or you have built on your own words and everybody else's words. That's the difference. It's not that the storms aren't going to come. They're going to come. But when they do, wherever you built your house will matter in that moment. If you've ever been swept out to sea before because you built in the wrong place, God sends people your way. They're called salt and light people. They have built their uh, building on the rock, and they reach out for you and bring you back to shore. Have you ever had that happen? It brought you back to shore. It is at the moment that you are back on the shore that you have a decision to make. You either continue to build a house on the sand, or you decide to build your house and your structure and your life on the words of Jesus. And when you build your life on the words of Jesus, things are much better. You can weather the storm and not be totally wiped out. So we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount <clears throat> for quite some time. This was actually designed as the last kind of final sermon, but actually there's two more later in the future, a little bit later this year, there's two more that we're going to cover. But we're going to wrap up this particular section. And to do that, I want to talk about these teachings. Because if I can build my life on the rock, that is where I want to build. I want to build there, right? Wouldn't you agree? And I would rather stay away from this sandy stuff over here and build on the rock. So what is it about the Sermon on the Mount that gives us instructions that allows us to build a solid life that can weather storms? So here are a couple of things that Jesus taught us. Now, I'm going to tell you, just right up front, all of these are not mine, okay? Um, three of them are. The rest of them I took from someone else. So just to make that, you aware of that. By the way, if you can figure out the three that I did, I'll give you a prize after the service. Okay. <clears throat> all right, here we go. Try to always be at peace with people. Never hold a grudge against anyone. If someone has something against you, try to be reconciled with him. This is a teaching that allows you to build on the rock rather than the sand. Here's another thing Jesus said. 
Be pure in your thoughts as well as in your actions. This is, it's not just in being a good person. This also has to do with lust as well. Make sure that your mind is right. Make sure that you're focused on the right things. Make sure that your mind is pure. So Jesus talks about that. A pure mind is a mind in a person that's building their life on the rock. An unpure mind and a deceitful mind is one that's being built on the sand. Here's the next one. In your speech, be careful what you say and always be kind and for the people you are talking to. Wow. And for the people you're talking to. That is building on the rock. Jesus also says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, let God be your avenger. In other words, don't take revenge and do it yourself. Let God avenge you. You just sit back and let him do it. It is not that you don't confront a situation. It's not that you don't stand for a situation. It's not that you don't say what needs to be said. But vengeance, when you get to the point of vengeance, you step back and let God do that. Your, your responsibility is to stand on the rock, not to avenge yourself. Here's the next one. <clears throat> Love everyone, even your enemies, as God does. That's, that's a fun one, right? That's a fun one. But that is living on the rock when you love your enemies. Here's another one. It says, don't live your life with a look-at-me mentality. Be real in your faith. There's a lot of Christians that just have this facade that they're a Christian, but really on the inside, they really don't live the life. They just have a facade of it. So instead of looking like a Christian, just be a Christian. Live your faith. Be real with your faith is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6. So here's the next one he talked about. Seek God's will first before your own desires. Don't worry about what you need in this life. If we are doing this, if we are doing his will, he will take care of us. Seek God's will first before you do your own desires. Don't worry about what you need in this life. Worry is what brings on anxiety. Anxiety brings you out into the sea and you're tossed to and fro. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Seek God's will first and anchor yourself in the life that he has for you. And just don't worry about everything else. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. Here's the next thing Jesus said in his sermon. Don't be critical of others and judge them unfairly. Yeah. Always evaluate the situation and get your own house in order before you instruct someone else. Have you ever had those people, <clears throat> or you've, well, let's just say that we've done this. Have you ever got on to somebody, but your house is it in order? Are you married? <laughs> if you're married in this room, you have done this. Your house was not in order, and you told your spouse that they needed to get theirs in order, right? Because the little thing that they were not doing made you forget all the stuff that you wasn't doing over here or that you were doing bad. Yeah, don't be critical of others and judge them unfairly. You would want to be judged fairly, so judge other people fairly as well, is what Jesus is saying. That is living on the rock and not on the sand. Next, <clears throat> Jesus says this, be dependent on God for everything. 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 Dependent on God. To me, people are dependent on other people and their opinions, their, their bank accounts, um, their station in life. 
Don't be dependent on that stuff. It's all passing away. Be dependent on God for everything. Here's the next thing Jesus says in the sermon. He says, do for others in love what you would want them to do for you. That is the golden rule, right? Um, Later in the passage, it's what I like to call the platinum rule. Um, No greater love than this, than a friend to lay down his life for another friend, right? That's a paraphrase, a Philip Brand paraphrase. But to lay your life down for your friend is actually the platinum rule. Here's the next thing Jesus says in the sermon. As for the decisions you make in life, always do the right thing, not the popular thing. Always do the right thing, not the popular thing. Don't follow the crowd traveling on the wide road. Follow God and all the true believers who are traveling on a very narrow path. If you go the wrong way, the popular way, on the wide road, there is danger ahead and you will fall into certain destruction. That's living on the sand. So the decisions you make in life always do the right thing. And when you do the right thing, you're building your life on the rock and you will be able to weather any storm that comes your way. Here's another one. Jesus says this in the sermon. Be on your guard against false teachers who will take you down the wrong path. Know that not everyone who says he is a Christian is a Christian. Be on your guard. There are false teachers in the church, not this one. There are false teachers in the church in general, but I'm here to tell you there's also a ton of false teachers outside of the church that you shouldn't listen to either. Not everybody is telling you the truth. Your news media... Be careful who you listen to. Your politicians, be careful who you listen to. Your teachers at school, be careful which ones that you listen to. What you hear on the radio, just be careful what you listen to. Not everybody is telling you the truth. And Jesus says, be on your guard against false teachers who will take advantage of you. Next, live as salt and light in this world, representing Jesus well so people will find him and begin a relationship with him so people will be rescued. See, that's what happened, like I said before, when people pulled you out of the ocean back onto the shore. Those were people that were living as salt and light in this world. They rescued you out of that. So all of those things are really enough to do, isn't it? I mean, that is a lot of stuff that you can spend your entire lifetime trying to perfect, trying to figure out how to live on the rock. But it's so important to live on the rock because the storm is coming, another one's coming, and you need to be able to stand. Now, I have a few ramblings and musings to wrap this up for the next few minutes. You might think they're more rambling, um, Hopefully, they're more musing on the musing side, right? But here's some ramblings and musings. So if you're trying to put all these together, they just come all together just because of this passage. Is everybody with me? Just ramblings and, mu- and, and musings. So here we go. Here's the first one. Sandwich homes. Has everybody ever heard of a sandwich home? Sandwich home. Nobody ever heard of that. Great. Good. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to make sandwich homes. So I would take my peanut butter sandwich, and I would cut it in half, and at lunchtime, I would put it like this, like a little teepee. And then I'd take my little grapes, and I'd put my little grapes inside the house, right? As you ate the food and got to, you know, one piece of the peanut butter sandwich, you would put the peanut butter sandwich up like this and then put your grapes around that because it was a barrier, and you would do a fight back and forth, right? Yep. 
the stuff that you didn't like to eat was the stuff that was the weapons. Because you would try to throw it to where it would be on somebody else's plate or somewhere else on the table. Anybody else played with their food when they were little? Or Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Have a couple. Of, oh, you still play with your food. That's awesome. That's awesome. So sandwich homes. So when I first read across this article, I was like, what is a sandwich home? What is a sandwich home? And this is the article I'm referring to. It says, foundations on sandwich houses collapsed during the winter storm. Mine would collapse during lunch. Yeah, mine would collapse during lunch. But these are collapsing during a winter storm. And this is what it's saying, saying. The article is saying. The foundations of two homes in Sandwich collapsed amid the raging winter storm that swept across Massachusetts Monday night, bringing high winds and heavy rains to Cape Cod while dumping nearly two feet of snow in other areas of the state, town officials said. The homes located in 100 Salt Marsh Road and 100 Salt Marsh Road, 114 Salt Marsh Road, both suffered heavy damage as the high tides on Cape Cod Bay wore away at the sand protecting the home's foundation, leaving the foundations exposed, the town officials said. The rising tides undermined the house's foundations, causing the collapse, Sandwich Building Commissioner Branham Bribes said. Now, I didn't even know there was a sandwich, Massachusetts. Anybody else, knew, anybody else know that? You knew that? I did not know that. They must have been hungry when they named that town, right? And I think that there's a law there that says that you can't eat anything but sandwiches. I, I think, I think. Now, that might be a little bit of false teaching, but there you go, all right? But the point here is that there is homes that were located in Sandwich, Massachusetts, that the foundations were not built right, and therefore when the winter storm came, they collapsed. And there are Christian people that do not take the time to build on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, that are building in the sands, that when a storm comes, their whole life collapses because they're not really building on the words of Jesus, they're building on what they think about the words of Jesus. And those are two totally different things. Two totally different things. Back in, in Jesus' day, when they built a house, did you know that they could only build in the summertime? The reason that they could only build in the summertime was because the rest of the year it was raining. And in the summertime, the ground actually became hard enough to where you could get down into it and find the rocks. And so what they would do is they would shovel the people that were really into this and wanted a house to stay, uh, keep standing during a storm. They would dig and dig and dig until they got down to a rock, and then they would attach their house to that rock that they dug down to. Now, a lot of people, and this is historically accurate according to Josephus, didn't want to spend the time digging down to the rock. So they would just build on top of the sand. They would build their house there. Well, the rains are coming. They didn't know global warming was a thing back then. So it was going to rain, right? And there was a rainy season, and there was, there was a winter season. And when the rains came, the people that built on the sand, generally their house collapsed because of the foundation. The uh, people that built on the rocks their house didn't collapse. Now, this was a lot of work. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have what's called equipment and gasoline. 
And that helps us build houses, right? And we have concrete that we put down and we have equipment. These people didn't have equipment. And so it would take work and sweat and dedication to get down to the rock to build their house. A lot of work. And I submit to you this morning that it takes a lot of work to live the words of Jesus. It is not something that you can just think about and feel good about and just know and move on. The words of Jesus is something that you have to dig for and you have to attach yourself to in order to make your structure secure. Let me give you an example, just an example, off of the Sermon of the Mount, okay? Jesus says to love everyone. Love your enemies. I'm good with the love people part. Maybe not the everyone part. And then there's, I have a person that I don't like. That's my enemy. I've got it whittled down to one. The other, other people on the list haven't told me that they're my enemy, so I don't know. You, oh, come on, that's good. Right? Got it whittled down to one. And there's this one guy that in my past has hurt me deeply, absolutely hurt me deeply. And so much so that he, even today, continues to attack every now and then. I mean, he, he just does this. I do not like that man at all. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You probably wouldn't know him anyway, but I'm not going to tell you who that is. But here's, here's the rub. If I was traveling on vacation and happened to pass by him on the side of the road and he was in trouble, it would be a 50-50 chance if I would stop and help him or not. And it might be more 70-30, 90-10, You know, I might not stop and, and stop and help him out. Why? Because if I saw him on the side of the road and he was in dire straits and he was in trouble, the first thought that would come to my mind, and I'm not going to be able to stop this, is this. He's being judged for what he did to me. You've thought it too. He is being judged for what he, he's done to me. But listen, that is living on the sand. If I respond to that thought and say, I'm not going to help him when he's in trouble, when he's in trouble, I'm not going to love him enough to help him out in that moment. That is me living on the sand. And it takes work to live on the rock to say, even though he is my enemy, if I saw him in trouble, I would still help him out in his time of need. I would still stop and do that. That takes work. And when the thought comes across your mind, hey, he deserves this, you pick up the shovel and you just dig and dig until you get to that rock to say, I can help him in this moment. Jesus is not asking you to be his best friend. Jesus is not asking you to go to dinner with him after you help him. Jesus is not asking your families to get back together. He's not asking you to do that. He's just saying, love him. And so you help him in his time of need. You don't have to help him any other time during the year. <laughs> right? Right? You do not have to help him. You do not have to help him if he's in, having a good time and, and he's trying to build something and he needs a couple of extra hands. You don't have to go to his house. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is when he's, he's in trouble, you help him out. It's the whole story of the Good Samaritan. And so living on the rock takes a lot of work, a lot of work to do it. Um, 
be kind to everybody. Be kind to everybody. Like, everybody. Like, the people that don't understand what a circle is and how to go around it in their car. S-T-O-P is not yield. See, I spelled the one I could spell. Once I get over four letters, <laughs> it's kind of difficult, right? So you, you, can, you, just, you just have to be kind. That doesn't mean that you don't stand for things. It doesn't mean that you don't say that something is right or something is wrong and you shouldn't be doing that. It just means that you're kind when you're doing it. You treat them like you would want to be treated. That is work. Because our first inclination is to strike out and choke somebody, right? And really get upset. But we get back on the rock, and Lord, I'm going to live on the rock. Because when a storm comes, I want to be able to endure that storm and stand right there. So, there you go. That's the first one. That's the first uh, rambling and musing. Here's the second one. God respects your, your freedom to choose. In this passage of scripture, there's two places you can build. One is on the rock and one is on the sand, and he respects your choice. If you choose to live on the sand, you choose to live on the sand. He respects that. If you choose to live on the rock, he respects the fact that you have chosen to live on the rock. Here's the rub, though. If you choose to live on the rock, God has promised to help you mold that structure. He he has promised to be a part of building that on the rock. He has promised to help you. If you choose to live on the sand, God ain't going to help you at all. He's just going to let you do it. He'll respect your decision, but he will allow you to reap the consequences for building on the sand. He always does this. That's what he does. He cannot mold you if you are not willing to do the things he has told you to do. You have to be willing to do the things he told you to do. So he'll respect it, but he's not going to help you. He only helps people that build on the rock. Here's the next one, rambling number three. Here we go. Um, I did not ask permission for this one at all from Quinn. He's coming home in a couple of weeks, so um, when you don't ask permission, you ask forgiveness. That's what you do. In that moment. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. He's not going to mind this at all. Quinn um, hasn't always done the right thing. I haven't always done the right thing. Quinn hasn't always done the right thing. And then the moments that something has happened where he's made a mistake, I generally talk to him about that like a parent should talk to their child, right? And so I'll come in, and, and as he got older, not when he was little, but as he got older, and I would start to explain some things about what just happened and how not to do it again, he would start interrupting me and say, I know, I know, I know, Dad, I know. Have you ever had that happen with your kids? I, I know, I've heard this before, I know. In fact, there's sometimes that Quinn would be in his room, and I would know that he had done something, and I needed to, to address it, just give him some wisdom, as much as I have, as little as it is, I'd still try to give it to him. So I would walk into his room, and before I would say anything, Quinn would say, I know, Dad, I know what you're going to say. I know, I know. And so I would respond by saying, well, okay, 
So what was I going to say? And then he would repeat back to me. And about half the time, he was correct. And when he was correct, I'm quick enough to say, no, I'm, I need to tell you something else, right? Just kind of keep them on their toes, right? Every parent in the street has done that, right? Keep them on their toes, yeah, quick enough to come up with something else. But Quinn, Quinn would say, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The problem when you and I say, I know, I know, I know, is that we have the assumption that that means that we are going to do the thing that we know. And when someone says, I know, I know, I know, nine times out of ten, they're not going to do what they know. They're just telling you they know because they don't want to hear you speak. Right? They don't want to hear it again. They've messed up again. The storm came. There was some storm damage. And they don't want to hear what you told them before that was wisdom that would prevent that storm from happening. That's what they're saying. You and I need to be people that not only know what Jesus has said, but we do what Jesus has said. We not only know what it is, but we live by it in our homes and at our jobs and what we do. We need to live what Jesus has said. If we're not, we're just saying, I know, I know, I know, God, I know, and we're just building on the sand anyway. Jesus expects you and me to live what he has taught us to do. Jesus wants you to live what he has taught us to do. Too many Christians come to church just to study the Bible and not do anything else. They come for the knowledge. They come for what Jesus has taught. They will shake their head. They'll say, yeah, yeah, that's right, because they know it's right. They know it's the way. They know it's the life. And they're like, yeah, that's right, that's right. But when they go out of these doors, they decide not to do what the Bible has told them to do. So reasons for that, sometimes it's because it's too hard to do some of this stuff. I mean, it takes work to do some of this stuff. Some of it is they never intended to do it anyway. They wanted to have the facade of doing it and just shaking and being in agreement with somebody, but they just want to live on their own. And Jesus says, quit saying, I know, I know, I know. He says very quickly, very clearly here, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. People that live by the words of Jesus are wise people. People that do not live what they know are stupid. That Greek word for foolish there is the same Greek word as stupid. It is so foolish not to live by the creator's instruction in your life and to do your own thing. And the reason maybe that you're being swept out and everything that you are building is just being taken away is because you failed to really do the things that Jesus wants you to do. That you failed to live by his words. You know them, but you don't want to live them. Someone has said, and I don't know who this is, Someone has said it this way. Knowing and not doing has the same outcome as not knowing and not doing. Knowing and not doing has the same outcome as not knowing and not doing. The rains come, the structure fails. The rains come, the structure fails. 
I would submit to you this morning that it is a sadder state of affair, affairs to not know, no, to know and not do than it is to not know and not do. It's a sadder state of affairs. If you know to do right and you do not do it, that is the saddest human condition that you could possibly live in. And Jesus doesn't want that for you. He wants you to live by his words and he wants you to live on the rock. He wants you to build your house on the rock. All right, so there's that rambling and musing. Here's the next one, okay? <sighs> there's no perfect builder. <laughs> they don't exist. If you build on the rock with your life, there is no perfect person that does that perfectly. You see, I have a house, hopefully, because I'm trying to do this with all, all, everything that I can do. I'm trying to build on the words of Jesus. Well, what I know about myself is mixed within the rocks and the good stuff is some wood, hay, and stubble. There's some times that I do this great, and there's some times that I do not do this great. And so you build on the rock, and even your, if your wood, hay, and stubble is even on the rock, this is what I know. When the winds and rains come, your wood, hay, and stubble is still going to stay with you. The rocks are still, you know, what you're building around, it's still going to stay with you. And this is how I know that. Because one day, when you get to heaven, and you present everything that you've done to Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, it will be tried by fire. And the wood, hay, and stubble that you built with will be burned. And the stuff that you did well will remain. And so I, living on the rock, have some wood, hay, and stubble with me. And I have some good stuff too. And when I get to heaven, my hypothesis is I'm going to have less good stuff than I thought I would have. And more bad stuff than I thought I would have. I know that's depressing. But it's just the truth. The goal isn't to live perfectly on the rock. Well, it is the goal. You can't reach that goal. The goal is to build on the rock, period. If sometimes you use wooden hay, you use wooden hay. Sometimes you use better, better stuff and you're really doing it right, you do it. But you always strive to build on the rock. You try your very best. That is what you do. Here's the next one. And... Then we'll wrap it up. People that have built on the rock have no problem taking responsibility for their actions. People that build on the sand have trouble taking responsibility for their actions. That should tell you whether or not you've built on the rock or not. Do you really take responsibility for your actions? See, the reason that you can take responsibility for your actions on the rock is because you know it's by God's grace that you're able to build there. You know that it's a privilege. You know that you're working hard to be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're doing it all. So when something is wood, hay, and stubble-ish, you go, yeah, I, I messed up there. I own it. I'm going to correct that. Okay? I'm either going to ask forgiveness or I'm going to handle it. I'm going to work this out to where this is better. People that live on the sand always blame someone else for what they have done wrong. It's always somebody else. Or it's some type of psychological mental problem that has caused them to do whatever they've, they've done. 
there are mental issues that are real, okay? I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about us, where we, <laughs> we're like sinning, and we, we know we don't have a mental issue, but we claim one as an excuse to keep doing the wrong thing. How many people have you met that are angry and they blame it on some type of mental issue that you know that they don't have? Because you know people that have it. Come on, right? I'm talking about that. So you, you blame it on something else. You blame it on your family. You blame it on your upbringing. You blame it on this. You blame it on that. That is living on the sand. It is only people that take responsibility for their actions that can do anything about their problems, right? That is, that is what it is. So live on the rock. Live on the rock. Take responsibility for your actions. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, um, two weeks ago, <clears throat> my Uncle Buck passed away. Uh, he was 93 years old, and he passed away. He went to hospice, had, passed away. My Uncle Buck was um, one of nine children in the family. Uh, currently, there's only two left, my mom and my Aunt Judy. So Uncle Buck was the next one that we, we buried. And my Uncle Buck was always the person in the family that everybody went to if they needed spiritual advice. Because my Uncle Buck built his life on the Word of God and Jesus' words. That's what he did. He was faithful to his church. It was a Christian church um, in Hall River, North Carolina. He played the organ. He played the piano. That didn't make him saved. I'm not saying that. He was just faithful because he was saved. He would witness to people. He got a job at the Buick dealership, transporting people back and forth when they dropped their car off to take them back to their office. Um, the reason that he lost that position is because he kept witnessing to the people that he was taking back to work. So it didn't last that long because he was doing that. Uh, they asked him to stop, but he just couldn't quit testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. He just couldn't quit doing it. And so he, he, um, he was that sort of man. He was a rock-solid uncle in our family, a rock-solid spiritual uncle in our family. Well, one day before he passed away, my cousin um, recorded this video that I want to show you right here. Every one of us in this room has a final storm that we're going to go through. Every one of us. It's either going to be a hurricane, a tornado, you know, high winds, 
rain, or just a little drizzle, but we're all going to go through a final storm before we cross over into eternity. It matters where you build. Because in that moment, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have just built on sand your entire life, and you're going to just be swept out into judgment. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and especially if you've built your life on his words, that is a moment, even though the rain's coming, and even though you will know that death is at the door, that is a moment that you can still sing, on Christ the solid rocking rock I stand, no other ground is singing sand. Because you know when that storm is over, you will see your Savior. You will see the rock. And it matters. And if you've built your life with a habit of just living by Jesus' words, you will be ready for that moment. And when you cross over into eternity, you'll meet the one that is giving you the wisdom to live here. And you will worship him with all your heart. Build your whole life on the rock. Do not waste your time on the sinking sand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this passage of scripture and how your son wrapped up this message. Father, I think that most of the people in this room really want to um, build their life on the rock. They want to live your words. And I just pray that with the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll enable us to do that. And in the moment, moments where we slip and we start doing things the easy way and we try to jump off the rock onto the sand, I pray that you'll grab us and bring us back. Father, that you will help us have the will to do the hard work that is needed to live our lives according to the way that you want us to live them even when we don't understand your word. Help us to live your word anyway. So we leave this moment in time to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand and sing. The altar is open for you if you need it, and I'm here to pray for you as well if you need that. So as we